0: All right, it's time for a for a strange and lurid tale. This one's called "Ride All Night."
1: It's the Ride All Night podcast with stories of friends and family of the band from good homes, started during the pandemic of 2020 and continuing until we're done.
2: Thank you. We're trying some new things here.
1: Okay, here it comes.
0: We got a million people to thank.
1: Welcome to the third installment of the Ride All Night podcast. It's Tuesday, June 23rd on a sweltering day in Vermont. The pandemic continues, declining in some places yet rising in others. All pretty mellow here in Vermont. We're continuing on with our guerrilla gardening. A cartload of soil is due to arrive tomorrow via a donkey-powered delivery cart. That's a long story, and you can head over to the Bordertown Podcast to track that story and our local antics, if you're so inclined. This week on the podcast, we speak with Kelly and Rich Watney from Pocatello, Idaho. Originally from Sparta, New Jersey, I've known these two folks since junior high. Kelly and I were on student government together, and Rich and I played Little League Baseball We also, once we got to high school, played football and were both ends, so we got to know each other out there on the gridiron. You'll hear Rich describe a surprise party that Kelly put together for him out in Idaho where he walked into his local bar and none other than From Good Homes was on the stage. I'm a longtime friend of the family and I always love the opportunity to hang out with these fine folks. It was a pleasure catching up with them and fun sharing some old stories enjoy this episode of ride all night featuring kelly and rich watney so i've got some questions here too so this will kind of help us i haven't talked to you guys in so long it's wonderful to see you and it's fun i don't know is it fun to do it in this it's fun to do it we're gonna have fun we're talking about from good homes, so it's it's nice to think about this podcast because it gives it kind of dual purposes, just to, to capture this weird time that we're in. So, if I if you can just for posterity, explain what's going on right now in the world for us.
3: Uh, well, for us in particular, we life has changed, and that all the kids came home, and they were all gone. We were empty nesters, and with the COVID, everyone's doing school online or their jobs have been put off for a while. And so they're all living back in the house again, which is a really bizarre thing. It's a really good thing, but um, we don't really feel like we're quarantined necessarily, Rich and I, because it's a full house. And we have two extra that they brought home, which is great. (laughs) Um, And Rich's surgeries uh, are still happening, but um, only necessary surgeries. So he's still working. I'm still going and doing, meeting with um, my patients at the clinic online. Mostly, sometimes I have to go in if it's a new patient. But mostly, yeah, we are so lucky to be, have such a great outdoors because in Idaho we can go running and hiking and biking and, um, you know, and not really feel so confined inside. I feel bad for the people that are in the city right now.
1: So if just for then, like, you know, the friends of us and, home, and from good homes that may not have seen you in a while, think before the pandemic and just describe where you are and what your life is typically like.
4: Yeah. Uh, well, as Kelly mentioned, uh, you know, over the last year or so, we became empty nesters. And so uh, we have four daughters and, and uh, they're all dispersed. We had two in San Diego, one in San Francisco and one in Fort Collins, Colorado. And so as Kelly and I and four dogs and three cats. <laughs> and someone been accumulated over the years, uh, and uh, you know we're we doing a fair amount of traveling, visiting the girls, or visiting friends and whatnot. And things came to a abrupt uh, um, closure there with uh, the onset of of uh, the COVID. Uh, we were fortunate to go down to Mexico the last week of February, beginning in March. And so we had a big family vacation and uh, really had a great time. And then everything changed when we came back.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I've been trying to how what would you say? I mean, it's hard. It, we live in the moment and stay optimistic. But um, what's your thoughts on looking ahead? how this thing's going to unfold. How have you been thinking about that? And I think for me, the secret is not. But um, again, for posterity, a little bit more, you know, specifically what we're um, in, in, you know, experiencing. And how do you think it's going to unfold over the next couple months?
4: Well, I, you know, I, I think that the quote self-isolation is, uh, is helping, but, uh, you know, we're still kind of waiting for it to strike in our part of the, the country where are we going to see the number of cases or is it just going to peter out for a while? And and uh, um, for me, the, the big issue is just being in medicine. Um, is Is this going to come back around and are we going to have another spike in, in the fall, you know, is it gonna head to the southern hemisphere and then we're gonna deal with this again in the fall. Um, you know, my personal opinion is, is that we need to get testing. And I know the government's working on it, but we are really behind the eight ball. And, and, and no one knows where they stand. Um, if we, once we get this antibody test, I'm sure there's so many people that have had COVID that didn't even know it. They thought maybe they had a bad cold, they had the flu. You know, and this might have been in February or very beginning of March. Um, so, you know, once we get that data, then I think we can start to get some semblance of normal life again and, and start functioning out in the community. Uh, just trying to get ahead of it. It's just been a crazy time. Yeah.
1: So how long has your whole family been back together and how long have you been into the quarantine phase of things?
3: Mm, about... Four weeks now.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that's the same with us. Yeah.
3: I think it's just going to change the way a lot of people are doing things and the way they shop and go out in the world. And I mean, just the plexiglass now at the supermarket with the masks and the gloves and the, you know, deliveries. And, um, you know, people are just going to have to be prepared for it happening again. So it's just going to change everything.
1: Well, let's get on to the fun thing, getting ready to talk to you guys. Yeah, I realize I got a really bad memory. And perhaps <laughs> <You do. laughs> that's why I chose to do what I do. So people can remind me of what happened in life. But let's just talk about Sparta. So uh, we'll go chronological. So what was if you were to just describe Sparta to someone? What was it like early days growing up there?
4: Well, um, you know, I, I Sparta to me was a very special place to grow up, Um uh, you know there was uh it was a very close knit community the kids had a lot of similarities and uh, for me a lot revolved around sports and and the activities and then once we got into high school that morphed into gatherings or parties and being out in the lake in the summertime and the, the music kind of hit for me you know probably like 8th grade everyone started to get into all different Bands and going to junior high school dances and having Rare Breed come and, and play in the junior high school on, on the gymnasium floor. You know that was like kind of the first experience you know into a live music for me, and that kind of launched it. And and then we just got more and more into it in, in high school, and we almost lived in a sheltered community in some respects. Uh, even though we're only what 50 miles outside of the city it was just kind of this isolated community in the in the woods and and uh, uh i think we got away with a lot of stuff that maybe other kids might not have gotten away with you know
1: so when you think about early first like concerts in the junior high or whatever they were do you remember the kind of songs they were playing back then and it's nice to think about the influences that you know like what 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 the music was i guess in the 80s right or even the yeah. 70s. That's late 70s. Yeah, this was
4: yeah. This was uh, 70s, probably like 76. I want to say.
3: I mean, when I was president of student government, I was in charge of hiring the bands, right? And <laughs> I, had, I would be negotiating with with Grady and Todd about how many slow songs would they play, so that you know people that was like the time to make out on the dance floor, and they would be like, "Okay, one, one." And I'm like, "No, two, two. Come on." <laughs>
4: Yeah. I
3: mean, Stairway to Heaven was like, you had to have that. That was it. it. Everyone,
4: all the guys would be sitting up in the bleachers wondering, (laughs) are you going to go ask so-and-so to dance for Stairway to Heaven, right? That was
1: it. (laughs) (laughs) It's been fun putting this thing together because I did find one cassette tape and it's just labeled uh, Lawler's Party. And it's just amazing. I had There's this Mississippi half-step and uh, Like a Rolling Stone. There's a bunch of songs, but they're just... Wow. Oh, so good. Well,
4: wow. What year was that, Vic?
1: Well, it, it, it'd it be from the Rare Breed days. It, it was, uh, wow. I don't know the date, but. um, So when you think of music. So you before know, Old Crow like, then. Yes, I think so. Oh, no, no. Actually, I actually have a Rare Breed and an Old Crow. The better yeah. one is definitely the Old Crow.
4: Yeah. Yeah.
1: The Rare Breed is fun to listen to, but quality wise, it's just bad. No. It's all-
4: <laughs> yeah.
1: No doubt it was a boom box sitting in front with the play record going. <laughs> So what what were the what was the music besides the stairway that you remember these guys covering because it was covers for the most part.
4: Um, I remember they uh, they definitely played some Kiss songs. I kind of think that they played um, a Bachman Turner Overdrive song, whether it was "You Ain't Seen Nothing Yet" or "Taking Care of Business." One of those. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was kind of a novel thing to have a junior high school band going. But I mean, it really took off, I think, in in high school when they became old pro and took off and we were figuring out ways to have fake IDs to get into all all the different bars. And here they were underage playing at these bars and, you know, playing at the Mr. Tierney's uh, speakeasy and uh, $5 beer night. and We'd be the first ones there. And pretty remarkable you know that we were doing that at the age of 15 16 old crow would uh, play on one side of the bar and and we'd be all that place would be packed i mean shoulder to shoulder you couldn't move it would get pretty hot in there especially if it was in the summer summertime (laughs) uh, there and uh a lot of times you know joe's house was right next to the speakeasy so we would kind of start off there and, and then morph into the into the speakeasy lounge there and uh um you know the the band oftentimes would pull people out of the crowd to like sing different songs and um there was a a lot of uh you know grateful dead doors stones, stones. Almond brothers that you know it, it was all covers uh and they added their own touch to it and Scott Reimer would get into his Jim Morrison mode, and it was a lot of fun. I, I remember getting pulled up by Todd uh, singing "Sympathy uh, for the Devil" by the Stones, and, and yeah. uh, that was that was a good time. Awesome.
1: Um, anything I I, w- I was just wondering about before we kind of move on to post high school days about just talking about like your your crew, Rich, because you were you know you were friends with. With Todd, of course, and Quinny and, and Scott and McLester and uh, and I remember we we, we were together uh, playing in football practice with the ends, so we kinda that's where we really kinda came yeah. together.
4: Oh yeah. And of
1: course, Kelly, at the same time, you were over on the tennis courts.
4: Right.
1: <laughs> so that was some did not go unnoticed. We,
3: we...
4: <laughs> so maybe we just had some... time out, right, during uh, calisthenics. It kept, kept admire the tennis team. Yes. It kept us going. <laughs>
1: So, just a little bit about that—you know, those friends and that time.
4: Yeah, I mean, to this day, probably my closest friends in life are are the guys I grew up with. It's just come full circle that way. And you know, for me, I had these different stages in in life, and just being in high school, and then and then you have your college friends, and then I have my medical school friends, and then I have my residency—you know, or in orthopedic surgery friends. And and but still, my closest friends are. guys I grew up with. There was just a bond that was uh, formed there and your whole crew was part of it too. I think it was just like I said before it was very close-knit community and I think just all the things you went through as a at a young age and some of it was road trips to concerts or I can remember going to our first Grateful Dead show out in Nassau Coliseum and we had a baseball game out at uh, Kittatinny, and McCarroll had his station wagon, a Country Squire station wagon, and we all piled in when the game finished to drive out to uh, Long Island, and we were just in crazy traffic. And Brady was with us, and Quinny, and and McCarroll, and and uh, uh, Brad Winfrey, and I'll never forget like the show. It was an amazing show, you know, and we had didn't know what to expect. And uh, we couldn't find Brady after the show. And, and so we're searching everywhere for Brady. We're walking around NASA Coliseum and screaming for him. And finally we're like, it, it was like one o'clock in the morning, you know, the show finished at 11 and we could not find Brady. And we're like, we have to go, we, we gotta go to school tomorrow. And we're away out in Long Island, right? So we hop in the, in McCarroll station wagon and we start driving and we get to the exit and it's raining at this point. And who's has his thumb out right at the exit, going, "Anyone going back to New Jersey?" And it's Brady. And like, I hopped out of the car and grabbed him by the back of the shirt and like threw him into the station wagon. And it was just unbelievable.
1: Oh my god!
4: <laughs> he thought we left you know. And then we actually made it to school the next day. We got home, I think, at three o'clock in the morning, and, and yeah. had to make it to school.
1: Yeah. Safe to say, uh, there was definitely a party in town, for sure, yeah. Sparta.
4: No no doubt.
1: Yeah. Um, anything before we kind of move on to the college days? Any, any other thoughts
3: about uh, that era? I just think that it's, uh, it's a very special place that no matter where you go, no matter where we travel to, or we'll be at a dead show in Mexico or wherever, and something will come up about Sparta, and they're like, oh my gosh, there'll be some connection to Sparta, and it's weird friends that we have now in Idaho or or from wherever are like what is this sparta thing it's you know it's crazy you you know people or there's some type of connection that's never lost there it's yeah. very, people want to go back to sparta just to see from our stories what what is this about right. you know
4: yeah it's yeah really crazy yeah it was certainly it was very unique You know, like I said, I think we're just kind of isolated up there. And then the people that came out of there were just amazing people in all facets of life. And now they're spread out around the the country, you know, and and, uh, you'll just run into people from Sparta. I mean, here we are in Pocatello, Idaho, right? And I I mean, I got just a short story of, you know, one of the professors here was a big rock climber. And uh, I just happened to be on call. And the guy fell rock climbing and had a bad fracture and i came into the er took care of him and everything and he came in for his first post-op visit and i opened up the chart and he said it was from sparta new jersey and i'm like get out of here and <laughs> he started two and two together and he grew up right across the street from kelly oh my god yeah yeah so yeah. things like that happen all the time um one of the physicians wise was a cheerleader for the sparta football team betty joe Horsfeld. Oh,
1: yeah, uh, I know Betty Joe.
4: Long blonde hair. And it was I was in a party in, in here in Pocatello, and all of a sudden, this guy's telling me his wife's from Sparta, and I was like, "Get out of here," you know. And and he didn't believe I was from Sparta, so he's quizzing me. He's like, "What's the name of that bar downtown?" And I go, "Where?" I'm like Mohawk, and, I, <laughs> and he goes, "Yeah, yeah." I go, "Crows." He's like, "Son of a bitch, you're from Sparta." <laughs> nice.
1: It's you know you can't help but think how From Good Homes played a role in that and keeping us connected, uh, kind of in the later times you know. So when you guys left Sparta, getting into the the uh, kind of '90s and college days, I definitely see you. I've I've the reason that really motivated this film is I have boxes and boxes of old VHS tapes. So I'm like, how what can I do with these? And now that I've gone through them, I definitely you guys are there often. Exactly. so talk talk about that like that where'd you go after sparta and then how would you reconvene with the band and i'm thinking a lot particularly in new york city
4: sure well um you know after uh college um you know i always kept in touch with todd and they were still i think i think uh old crow at that point point. and then uh during college i think is when at the end of college, maybe it became From Good Homes. I don't, I, I don't recall the exact date. Do you know the date they became From Good Homes?
1: You know, it's interesting because the what I found really cool is Todd did like two years with Jack Hardy. Do you remember he played with Jack Hardy? Yeah, yeah. He traveled. He was in Europe, right? Yeah. And there's a great uh, full concert posted online of the three, with Brady because then Todd went one year, Brady went the next year. Right. I don't recall, um, you know, when that was. But I think, yeah, right when they graduate when you guys all graduated college and yeah. And Brady, too. So Brady was out of college. That's when they came back to New York area.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Because I remember Todd driving across um, the country with the ICBM on that um, pickup uh, that he had on Alan Cranston's campaign. He was part of uh, after he had finished at Columbia you know, that all tied in there. And so finally, we ended up in the, well, I ended up in the New York City area going to uh, medical school. And at the end of medical school, it was From Good Homes was playing and we would road trip in to see them. And then From Good Homes actually played at my medical school graduation party at the Lake Mohawk Country Club, mm. which was this big bash and and uh, went till the wee hours, and then we ended up at Quinney's house, and that's when the deck fell off the house, I don't know whether you remember, but you were at the that. party, you might have been there.
1: I don't think I was there, but I remember it for sure. And
4: uh, so it was crazy, and then we ended up, I ended up going into New York City, and then our lives have always been intertwined uh, with From Good Homes, you know, it's incredible, like, so we, we started reflecting back, you know, how many times we've seen them, and then, a special events in our lives, I mean, you know, like I was saying, they played at my medical school graduation party, and then Kel and I end up. Oh, we always knew each other. Obviously, we grew up, but I was at a From Good Home show. At- oh, well, let me tell you this one. Okay, go okay. ahead.
3: So I wake up in the morning, and I was living next door to my brother and Kath Noble in an apartment. And my brother Mark was saying, like, "Oh yeah, I had such a good time last night. Band was really great." and and then he was telling me about different people that he saw and he's like yeah i saw that rich one he's such a great guy and i was like oh yeah Rich Watney. and so then um i started thinking like how could i get his phone number and so i called todd mark gave me todd's phone number i called todd and todd's like yeah i have his number so he gave me rich's number and then i called him up and asked him out and um it was sort of a a crazy scenario because he thought I was asking him, I was previously engaged to someone else and he thought that I was asking him like to my wedding or something. And I was like, no, I'm asking you out on a date. And so then he said, yeah, I'm, I'm really busy though. I'm on cardiac right now. So he's like, just wait like a week or two and then, you know, I'll be in touch. So he didn't call me back in like a week, right? Was it? Yeah. And then I, I called him up and I said, you know, if you didn't want to go out with me, you should have just said so. And he's like, no, 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 I'm, I'm on anesthesia tomorrow. Let's go. And, th- and so then we went out. Um, you know, our first date was a dead show. At, um, at Brennan and at Madeline's it was called, yeah. yeah. And, then, <laughs> and then we spent the next year basically going to every From Good Home show. So when, <laughs> and when, became... are we, when are we talking, what year is that?
4: that was uh 89 '89, '89. the fall of 89 and then yeah we basically were inseparable for the next year kelly would come into the city or i would if if i could get out to new jersey would do that and then like you mentioned from good homes was playing these shows all around the city and so we didn't miss anyone we went to every one of those wetland shows that would go to the wee hours in the morning. I mean, sometimes I think they played like three sets uh, at, at the wetlands, right? And, yeah.
3: um,
1: the Bitter End? Was it Kenny's Castlegate? Right? Kenny's and they played The Bitter End.
4: Yeah, yeah, they did play yeah. The Bitter End, right? right. And um, and then they also played another place called Speakeasy. I don't know whether you remember that place. It was right off, it was, I think it was on McDougal Street right off of Bleecker. I was in my residency at this point and we just started getting all different people into, uh, from good homes. And we had all these groupies and we even road tripped up to New Hampshire to, to the stone church to see them. Uh, I think you were there too. Yeah. And, and uh, uh, Mark and Kath and you know, those are great times. And then the Georgian, you remember in, uh, um, Sussex County up there, yeah.
3: And then we, and then we.
4: Well, we got married uh, on August thirty first, nineteen ninety one, and From Good Homes was our our wedding band. Todd Todd first played in the church, right? He he played um, Forever Young Young by Bob Dylan, and and uh, sitting up in the rafters, and there were tears in the house for sure. And then uh, then From Good Homes, I think it was the first time they ever had to play in Texas. Yeah. it was mandatory by perona farms uh, and uh you were there you know yeah. and uh you know it was, it was great because they had these chandeliers hanging down in perona farms which was a pretty formal wedding uh establishment and people were like headbutting the balls underneath the chandeliers and they were all rocking <laughs> back and forth and and uh you know everyone was into it from all ages uh you know to their parents friends and they were like who is this band and They were just totally into it. And and then we wanted them to keep playing. And, uh, but uh, Perona Farms required us to pay them like another $500 an hour. And Kelly started opening up envelopes and pulling out whoever gave us cash and, we, and and people were passing the hat around and we came up with a thousand dollars to keep keep corona farms open for two more hours and uh, and the band didn't charge us anymore that we had paid them and they played till one o'clock in the morning you know uh, there so it was yeah it was awesome That's great.
1: I bet you have photos of that <laughs> Yeah. We got good video. Cool. All right. We got to get that stuff. Um, you know, one thing I, I did, I've been avoiding somewhat, but, um, when you hear it in Todd's songs, you now some of the, the tragedies of Sparta, I don't know if you want to talk about that a little bit, but I have this amazing photo. You you mentioned Scott Reimer. It's this photo of Scott, Todd and John Shank. Yeah. And Scott's got the Mr. Mojo Ryzen t-shirt on, but, uh, I don't know could you kind of tell just tell me about some of those unfortunate events that we experienced you know earlier in Sparta
4: Yeah you know um uh, Todd uh, you know is gone through a lot in his life as we all have you know there's been tragedy but it really hit the whole community um uh, uh uh there was the night I think it was in in June you know, just a couple of weeks before we were ready to graduate high school and we were at a party um, out past the high school up uh, West Mountain Road. And um, uh, Shank was, uh, uh, John was driving and had uh, Todd in, in the car with um, Patty Award on it on his lap in the front seat. And um, I don't know, was Brad in the car too? Mm-hmm. Okay, he was following, yeah, he was following, he was yeah, Scott he was following with Scott Reimer. Mm-hmm they came around a turn and lost control. And, uh, you know, uh, Patty uh, tragically was was killed. And uh, Quinny and I actually were just like 15 minutes behind that and came, the cops had just showed up and the ambulance and, and um, you know, it was, it was really unfortunate. Uh, yeah, with, with John had, had passed as well. And it was, you know, Horrible, yeah. and um, you know, we raced to the hospital, and unfortunately, both John and Patty had passed away. And you know, this was literally two weeks before we graduated, and I, I know that had a, a, a huge factor in influencing Todd, you know, in, yeah. in, in his songwriting or just in his life. Period, you know, mm. as it did me. It was mm. pretty, pretty tragic thing. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's interesting talking to Todd about the years after that, and to remember that it's certainly important. Um, and it makes me think about the songs, you know. And we talk about how our community, spread out as we are, are still connected, and how the how that's kind of told in all the Todd songwritings, you know, from Good Homes and Railroad Earth. Those songs themselves are reflective of our lives, you know. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Well, I mean. I explain to my kids when we bring our kids to shows or, and we're like, Oh yeah, this song, this song is about this. And, you know, I'll explain something that happened and I'll trigger, you know, a great memory or a sad memory. Right. Yeah. Um, Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, anything else before we kind of leave the New York city or the times when they were the nineties, you know, their run there.
4: Sure. Yeah. Um, well, one of the last things for us was, um, Kelly, um, I had gone through a kidney transplant in July of 1998. And, um, and so I was about three months out. It was my 35th birthday. And Kelly behind my back, I had no idea hired from good homes to fly from New York, New Jersey out to Pocatello, Idaho and and put on a a bash here which i didn't know that i was actually paying for but uh <laughs> and uh um, yeah, he
3: was good with it after you know
1: his priorities
3: like you
4: know surprise of a lifetime walking into uh, a local establishment here in Pocatello, idaho and there's from good homes and so and from all my friends from all different walks of life were here that had bonded and were familiar with from good homes and it was part of their lives as well and as well as our family you know uh it was a really special uh time i mean there were groupies that were trying to crash the party uh i I think that uh when they were driving up in a van from salt lake city uh they looked over and i think brady saw tom mclaughlin and uh was like oh my gosh he's He's followed us all the way out here, and he's gonna he's gonna crash Watts' party here and whatnot. So uh, yeah, we we had people come from all over the country uh, for it. So that was that was uh, October of '98. Yeah, I know
3: personally when I, when they were breaking up that uh, I was a little angry. That was you know, these were like great events in our lives where you got together with people and it's kind of like what what do you mean what why. You know, it was it was hard to get used to. It was even hard to get used to Todd playing in Railroad Earth at first. I was very loyal to the From Get Home song. It was hard. It was definitely a big change. But I mean, now we go see Railroad Earth everywhere. You know, I mean that's part of our at least a few times a year. Yeah. Whenever they're anywhere near, we take a road trip to San Francisco, or it's just great. Or Denver. Or, or Denver yeah. 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 Right now.
4: We had to, you know, obviously we made the pilgrimage back to Waterloo for the for the final show. We weren't going to miss that, you know. And fortunately, we were able to to get there. And and uh, you know, it was it was a bittersweet moment. You know, obviously we enjoyed the time. We realized that they all had to move on with their lives if that's where they felt they were going to be. But at the same time, we you know felt like a piece was missing. You know, um, fortunately, Railroad Earth came around, and we we were able to embrace them but once they announced that first reunion i think it was in 2009 at the wellmont theater in in montclair and then we brought people back from pocatello that had gotten into from good homes and came with us and and we just made it a big trip and we went to both the shows and i mean it was a heck of a reunion yeah
1: it took me a while to come around to railroad earth actually I, I've always liked them and listened, but again, starting this film project, I started to listen to them. And oh my God, I just this last year has been like a deep dive into Railroad Earth. Uh, where are some of the places you've seen them, or w- w- what stands out as a memorable spot?
4: For Railroad Earth? You're asking? Yeah, for Railroad uh, Earth, yeah. Wow, we've had amazing shows with Railroad Earth. So we went for two shows at, at the uh, Fillmore in San Francisco. Uh, with friends that have gotten into them and, you know, and uh, in fact, Tierney uh, came up for one of those shows. Uh, our friends from Pocatello had friends now that are totally railroad earthheads from the West Coast are, are there. And then probably the most special is, uh been to go see them uh, a few times at Red Rocks. The the last time was fantastic. I mean, we were down there, maybe like fifth row in front of them. And, and uh, you know when everyone's like, "I need a card," "I need a card," and everyone's flipping the, the playing cards out, you know, awesome
3: shows there.
4: Oh, and then the other thing is that they uh, routinely play the Targhee Bluegrass Festival, so uh, we get a huge crew to go up there. And one time we took a um, friends of ours uh, to we took a bus up there, uh, like a like a big RV bus, um, and it, yeah, with like. kids. 15 people with all our kids and everything and yeah. just what a blast you know Yep. awesome well
1: any any other thoughts on some of their individual stuff I don't know have you been kind of as your kids grew up probably did they have Brady Reimer tunes uh, in their lives or
4: oh yeah we've uh we've played uh Brady songs you know for for the kids when they're when they were growing up and and then, you know, all the, Todd's individual albums will get recordings of some of the shows, you know, and, and then I, I think all the way they've tapped into, you know, especially Todd, you know, playing with Phil Lesh and Bob Weir and, and those guys and doing songs uh, with them and covering Grateful Dead songs. And it's just been a pretty amazing journey for them. I, I yeah. Yeah. Really enjoyed, enjoyed that.
1: Todd just played with Bob. They did the Skeletons from the Closet album at the Fillmore, like. like yeah.
4: Um, was it Skeletons from the Closet?
1: Or no, American Beauty.
4: Yeah, American Beauty.
1: American Beauty. Yeah,
4: yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. That was awesome. That picture with Todd standing right there with with them. Yeah. So good. I don't know um, if
1: Bob remembers, but you know they were, of course, with Bob when Jerry died. Yes,
4: that's right. Yeah. Todd was telling me that story. Um, I was down. Couple of years ago, down at Jazz Fest in New Orleans, and and uh, Railroad Earth played on the Thursday night at Jazz Fest, so we went out to Tipitina's to see see them, and so we got to hang out with Todd, uh, you know, after the show, and he was just telling those those stories, uh, uh, remarking how he was with uh, Bobby when when Jerry passed in nineteen ninety five. Yeah, yeah, it's been a, a heck of a journey. Always a huge part of our lives, Vic. You know, oh, yeah. as your as for you as well, and. Our, our family really yeah
1: yeah it's amazing
4: now where does dan live is he in upstate up by albany or is no.
1: he he's in northern new jersey he got married and his wife opened up a school and now it's just cranking because it's serving oh, wow. the special needs community and dano's the music director
4: oh fantastic
1: and so dano does that full-time he's a full-time music teacher but he also produces all sorts of stuff for people and like he produced yeah, the, boy, the what of a
4: talent
1: job. yeah he yeah
4: once i you know it was always when you had that sax going that just kind of defined from good homes music i think you know it was i was just listening to there she goes just before we got on you know just getting in the mood and i was like wow dan's a heck of a sax player you know and yeah. um you know you you realize their their music it, it kind of transcends all the time right you know it's to me i you play it now it it could fit in now, you know, with Mumford and Sons and Lumineers and those those bands like that, I think.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, the way that they evolved, you know, the three core guys, and then with, you know, certainly adding Jamie and Dano really brought Mm. so much diversity to it. Well, cool. I'm sure other stuff will pop up. And depending on how long we're in our homes, maybe we can, if you feel like, I uh, I want to stroll down memory lane, let's do that again. But uh, if you could think about who else we should talk to, I'd love to talk to Quinny. Um, you know, definitely Joe. If I can get Joe and hear the real stories of Speakeasy.
4: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Joe will have some really some good, good ones to yeah. to pull in there. You know, because that was a huge part for yeah. them. I mean, I think Mr. Tierney he was able to go the whole year long because of all, all you know with Old Crow playing and then from Good Homes later on playing there. You know. Totally. Yep. With it. It's uh, now a
1: Chinese restaurant if you've been in there. I don't know if you've been yeah. in. It's hard Ooh. to kind of look through and see, like try to squint your eyes and see the old <laughs> setup.
4: Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, for years they rented the building from Mr. Tierney, you know. They didn't own the building. Foods.
1: Uh, oh. So
4: Joe's dad was making rent on it,
1: yeah. Uh, yeah.
4: Cool. But, uh, yeah, I'll forward you Joe's uh, info. And then I'm I i can not think of who else you would
3: we'll, we'll think about
4: it yeah maybe yeah. Andy Strauss and Sarah and Swaz and Sarah yeah mm-hmm. totally because they were all part of our crew yeah, in, in New York City sure. when we were because we lived in Manhattan right so they were they were living right yeah. around the corner yeah, from yeah. us
1: cool yeah. yeah all right you guys well great okay. to see you yeah, yeah
4: like- great to catch up Vic
1: yeah and uh, be well out there
4: you too. You too. Be safe. Great to talk to you. Absolutely. All right, see you, Vic.
1: Yeah, see you soon.
2: that he's living in a jail somewhere Last time I saw him If I'm not mistaken He was alone And we left him there but The night of Petta's party I can't remember What we were looking for We were drunk And if I'm not mistaken We were desperate Oh